third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. And we are wide open today, Seth. No guests lined up. Uh, we want to hear from you again at 437-7644. We're certainly going to talk some SU basketball. It's one topic we did not get to on the show yesterday. The Orange Plenty holding of time. The, uh, the Orange versus White scrimmage. On Friday, uh, I happen to be there. Would love to to give you my uh, observations, I guess, from yeah, the know, Orange was, White scrimmage. I, I was at the high school game, so I missed it. You and, and I were were texting back and forth that night. I was filling you in on basketball. You were filling me in on on some high school football. And, and seeing that it wasn't streamed, I, I could not go back and watch it. Correct. So, so I'll I'll give you my observations, and we can talk some SU basketball today. Uh, it is top five Tuesday. Uh, we'll give our NFL power rankings. Uh, Carson Wentz, by the way, how good is this guy? He made a couple. Of, I I will admit I did not watch every play. I did not watch the majority of the game. Uh, but I turned it on right before he threw. What was it? That seventy something yard touchdown yeah, pass, sixty three yards. Yeah, yeah. I, I texted Max, who's an Eagles fan, right away. I was like, "Man, that was an awesome right pass. on the money." And he on the money, right over the defender. That was a he's, fantastic throw. He's so versatile and mobile. He's got a great arm. He can escape and get out of trouble. He did a little bit of everything last night. Am I overreacting if I if I say that he might be the third best quarterback in the NFL? If it's Brady Rogers, could it be Carson Wentz next? Or is that an overreaction? I I, I want to say it's an overreaction. Right, initially, but you say, I don't know. Initially, when I, mean, I was he, thinking about this last night, I Carson said, Wentz could be the MVP this year. Correct. Like he he's in a very good position to be the MVP of the league this year. And I don't know if that says more about the state of the league right now or Carson Wentz. Uh, same with your statement. You know, I don't know if it says more about the state of the league or Carson Wentz that he would be third quarterback behind Brady and Rodgers. I, I think that discussion is to be had. I mean, Breeze isn't Breeze from five years ago. Stafford, meh. You know, who else is in the conversation? Is, right, and, and I guess that's my point. Is, is it Derek Carr? Initially, when that thought popped in my head last night, I thought to myself, well, wait a second, that's an overreaction. But then as you start going team by team and quarterback by quarterback, I'm not sure it is. I mean, are you going to put Derek Carr in that conversation with them? Stafford probably deserves to be in the conversation. Does Dak Prescott have to be in the conversation? I'd rather have Carson Wentz than Dak Prescott. You I know, don't. I don't know. Yeah, no. That the more I think about it, that doesn't seem ridiculous. All right. Well, that's something we can certainly discuss as the show moves along, and when we get into our NFL power rankings, I have to imagine the Eagles are are going to be pretty high on your. They have to be. Eagles have to be uh, very high. They looked uh, awfully good last night. They've looked awfully good all season. Your little excuse about they haven't played anyone, I'm not sure that no, applies. No, now they have. Now they, now have. they have. And they continue I, to win, and they continue to look good. A, here's a quarterback question for you. Is Kirk Cousins good? Uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I think because, so. Because he's making a boatload of money, and he always throws for a bunch of yards. But then I look, and like he... He's been on like mediocre teams, and how would you I'm just rank like, I don't the quarterbacks know. in that division? Well, right now, I mean, Eli's 
probably last, right? I think so. Yeah. I, that was kind of my point. Yeah. Wentz is first, I think. Wentz, Dak. Dak is next. Kirk, Kirk. Eli. So, so is Eli good? I don't know. If Eli's good, then right Kirk now, has to be good. Because if, if Kirk is fourth or third in that division and Eli's fourth, then if, if Eli Manning's good, then Kirk Cousins I guess, is good. I guess the larger question is, if you're, if you're the, well, maybe the Redskins is the bad example, but are you shelling out money for Kirk Cousins? I think so. I, think I mean, it, like the Redskins will because, or the Redskins should because they haven't had a quarterback in forever. But as like, we all know, if you if you don't have a quarterback, you're going nowhere in this league. Is he is he in, in the top half in the NFL? I think he is. Probably yeah. is he fifteenth or better? And if he's fifteenth or better, I mean, look at Matthew Stafford. I right. mean, him cashing in, and yeah, you that's that's what you do. You you pay right. these if, guys because there are there are probably ten teams that don't have a quarterback, and and they if, have no chance. Well, if the Redskins don't pay him, then San Francisco somebody or, will. or the Jets or the Browns, somebody will pay him. So you might as well. And keep if you're the, the Browns guy, right? and you don't draft Carson Wentz, somebody else will take him. The and Philadelphia if, Eagles, and then they'll be really if, good. And if you're the Browns, and back to back years, you trade the picks for Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. It's such a Browns thing to do, right? Those baseball people in their front office must be kicking themselves. Yeah, I mean, they they got it wrong back-to-back years. I think Watson's going to be good. I know that Carson Wentz is good. Is he the third-best quarterback in the NFL? That can be debated. I, I, think he, I, mean, I think he is, the more I think about it. Um, he certainly feels like top five. He's playing at a, at a as you mentioned, MVP caliber level uh, right now. So we could certainly talk some NFL as the show moves along. I want to start the show, though, with SU football. And as you know, Seth, I, I had an assignment today with News Channel 9. I wasn't sure I was going to make it here uh, in time for the start of the show. And so you put together some statistics you wanted to get to regarding the, the Syracuse offense in wins versus the Syracuse offense in losses. Yes. So I did get here on time. Um, but I, I don't want those stats to go to waste. So please share with us the preparation uh, that you had for the top of the show. I, I appreciate that. Uh, Syracuse's offense, shocker here, has been way better when they win than when they lose. <laughs> Great analysis. Who would have thought, right? Uh, they've averaged 13 more points per game in wins than losses. And if you take out the Central Connecticut State game, I get it. It was a 50-7 game. They still average better than 8 points more in wins than losses. Yardage, they average 526 yards per game in wins and have had no less than 440 yards in a single game. In losses, they're at 383 yards a game with no more than 444. So there's a huge difference here in what they are doing and how they are producing in wins and how they are producing in losses. And it comes down to a very simple, uh, a very simple place. It starts with the quarterback. And this is not to place blame on Eric Dungy in losses. Uh, this is not to place blame on Eric Dungy for where the team is. But Eric Dungy in wins averages 378 total yards per game. And in losses averages 297 total yards per game. That's a big difference. And I, I guess, look, some of it's got to do with your wide receivers. Some of it's got to do with your running game and opening holes. And some of it's got to do with your offensive line. Uh, but there's something going on here. And I know the losses have come against the better competition. Well, uh, I was going to say you got you got to take that into account as well. Um, but there, there's a big difference, and you know we said it last week before the game. If Syracuse doesn't score, if Syracuse allows 24 points or more, they're going to lose, right? If they allow that 25th point, they're going to lose. Um, and that's been the case this year. They've not scored more than 26 points in any of their four losses. The offense has just struggled to get going. 
uh, all, all year long uh, against I, against better competition. Uh, but it's really stark when you when you break it down, wins and losses. I mean, would you say Middle Tennessee State is a you know better competition? Like I don't know. You know, I I would put Middle Tennessee State right on the same level as Syracuse, if if anything. Yeah, and, and they a, struggled against them. It's a fair point, and I guess now that we're eight games in, and I I realize this probably isn't fair to do, but I kind of do it anyway when I look at the schedule. I kind of separate that game. I kind of, that's, it it was the second game of the year. It was the the first FBS opponent. It was the whole Scott Schaefer thing. And and I I totally get your point. And and it's not that this team should get a pass, but it was just, it it was a strange game. Sure. So, but... But are we going to be saying that if for some reason they falter down the stretch and no, they, you know what no. I mean? Like that excuse is out the window. Exactly. You, you know what I always say, and you know Sal used to make fun of me all the time when I say, you know, the the once is a fluke, twice is a coincidence, three times is a trend. That it was a fluke. It was that that game was a fluke. And if it happens against BC or Wake, then it's not a fluke anymore. But until that, I'm going to say, yeah, the whole team. It was an off night. It, it was a it was a funky night. It was an emotional night. It was just. For a lot of reasons, so it was a fluke in my mind, and then I kind of take the other three, you know, together the the NC State and the Miami and the LSU, and they're all against top and they're 15 all against teams. really good and top really good defenses teams. too. Sure. I mean, NC State's defense is out of this world. LSU, while the Tigers might not be as good as as we remember from years past, that defense is really good, and they've got a really good running game. You know, Danny Etling at quarterback is is suspect, but. You know the strength of that team is is the defense and the running game. So and to that point, the numbers in the Clemson game are a lot closer to the numbers in losses than they are to the numbers in wins. That is the low point. That is the 440 yards. That's the outlier as far as their yardage in wins. Right. I, I mean, everything else is 500 yards or more. You know, Eric Dungy had his his lowest output out of any of their four wins in that game as well. So that is the outlier when you're looking at. Uh, the wins and it, it kind of goes to show like yeah this offense even though it operated at a high enough level to beat Clemson had a higher level and another gear to go to in that game which you know would make me think or gave me the optimism that they could pull another one of those it, whether it was at Miami whether it's you know going down to Florida State and winning a game like there, there is a higher level that this offense could have performed to even in the biggest upset of the year and it's interesting that we go back to last year and we point to the defense as to why Syracuse was 4-8 and eight for the most part. And then obviously at the end of the year, they didn't have Eric Dungy. But that defense was giving up so many points that it certainly wasn't the offense's fault. And now this year, it's almost like the the script the script is flipped to right. some degree that it's in the losses. And again, I don't want to say it's the offense's quote-unquote fault because of who they're playing. I mean, oh, to, yeah. And, but in, and, but the, and where them, they're playing them. The, you know, the three losses on the road were all against good teams, all against good defenses. But I guess... I'm going to take the other side of this, and I'm going to say that that's a compliment to this defense and how far it's grown and how much it's gotten better. That that you can actually point your finger to an offense that is, you know, putting up a lot of yards and a lot of points, and and we can say that well, if the offense had just done a little bit more, the defense did its job. And I think that that is a compliment to the defense and how much that unit has improved from last year to this year. It, it really is amazing. They're giving up oh, about yeah. two touchdowns less per game, about 150 yards less per game. I mean, that is an incredible jump in a short period of time yeah it's crazy and again in wins they've had they've allowed 18 points per game take out the central connecticut state game for obvious reasons they've still only allowed 21.7 points per game 
in win in wins and losses it jumps but again it's Clemson it's Florida State uh, it's Clemson it's LSU it's it's NC State uh, that that you lost to and were you just you played great a, against Clemson were you just predicting a loss to Florida State no no I was not uh, but you know I I just I, I find it interesting again that that was the thing you said there that's what made me look at this right. Last year, when we saw when we talked about Syracuse and we talked about losing games versus winning games, it was man if the defense could have made that stop, right? Like if the de- if only the defense was a little bit better. Whereas like this year, I-, I don't feel that way. This year, yeah, there's that LSU game where you're like, oh well, if that if the defense could have made that stop at the end, uh, but like they still wouldn't have won, and the offense still would have had to go out and do something. Miami game, the same thing kind of happened, right? Oh, if Rodney Williams. Uh, intercepts that pass, it's a whole different ball game. Well, yeah, and if Eric Dungy didn't throw four interceptions in, in the first half, it's a different ball game. So I, I, that's that's what made me think about it is it's such a complete 180 from where we were last year where it was, man, the defense, man, the defense. Wow, they couldn't do anything. Now it's like the defense doing their job. Like the defense is is doing totally, totally fine, doing a really good job. Offense has to step up in some of these games. Syracuse lost eight games a year ago. Without looking, do you know the margin of the closest loss last year? Was it the pit game? That was two years ago when they... At well, 15? Oh, I see what you're saying, the 50. I was going to say they, they lost by three in 2015. Uh, last year, yes, that was one of them. They had a couple games where they lost by 15 points. The close loss last year was two touchdowns. This year, they've lost four games. They're all by single digits. Yes. And again, that is another indication only, of, of how they're closing yeah. the gap. They've allowed fewer than 25 points per game. I mean, the defense has done a great job this year, and I don't think anybody would deny that. Uh, again, that's just, that's just what set off the, oh, they have the same number of wins and losses now. Maybe I should look at this kind of a thing. Yeah, Syracuse lost by 15 uh, at Pittsburgh and also to NC State, 15-point spreads. And again, yeah, the year before they, uh, of course, lost uh, by a field goal to Pittsburgh at home. To the phone lines we go. We've got Dom in Syracuse up first today on Orange Nation. Hey, Dom. Hey, guys. So I'm all in on Dio Babers. He sold me. You know, I, I given all the, the things that have gone on with previous coaches, I've bought into all the other coaches only to be – let down or heartbroken or whatever you want to say, I've bought into Dino Babers. He said year two, game four to six, is when we turn the corner, and we did. We beat Clemson. Uh, you know, he says, give him the first year, let us just get things settled. We did, and they did. He also said this, and I think it applies to what you guys are talking about, and the team still isn't to this point. He said he wants the team to be consistently good, not occasionally great. That's where we're at right now. We are occasionally a great team, but we are cons- not. It's not consistent, and we saw that this past weekend with Eric Dungey. I think that's the next hurdle that we see uh, this team overcome when they can play week in, week out. It doesn't have to be upsetting the number two team in the country, but it just has to be that consistently good, no four turnover halves. When, once we see that ball, I think that's the next progression for this team. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Be consistent. Be good. Don't throw four interceptions and a half. I, I yeah, I, I think that's a fair right. expectation. Don, let me ask I you this that- though. Don, let me ask you this. 
by and large, and I, and I understand it perfectly where you're coming from. Bad first half by Eric Dungy. You go back to the NC State game. Bad first half by the offense. You know they were able to bounce back and make those games close. By and large, though, wouldn't you consider their performances, especially in those three losses on the road, the LSU, NC State, and, and the one against Miami? Like overall, weren't they consistently good in those games? I guess the fact that they were close. Oh, absolutely. Defensively speaking, I think I am so beyond thrilled with how this team is playing defensively. What they did to Clemson, what they've, what they've been able to do to keep the offense in the game. Remember, we coming into the season, we thought every game had to be a track meet. By the, every, the offense had to score like 50 points just to support the defense. Yeah. It's been the other way around. You're right. So I'm totally thrilled with how this defense is playing. I think the next step, now we have the wide receiver core. We have a solid quarterback. I think the next step is offensively, they're just, they're, there is a gap between, you know, occasionally great and, and they're not consistently good. They're consistently okay right now. They're not consistently good. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's a fair point. I I buy that. That's a good call, Dom. Uh, And I'll say this, okay? I guess this is where I'm, the the angle I'm coming from. I'm interested to see them against Wake and BC because what... That's quote-unquote who you're competing against. Yeah, and to say that the offense didn't do enough, and again, I understand where you're coming. I understand where Dom's coming from. But to say that they didn't do enough against Miami, NC State, and LSU all on the road, I mean, again, think about the venue and think about the the defenses that you're going up against. Let's see how they do against Wake and BC. And my guess is that you're going to see them score a lot of points against Wake and BC. And Steve, I I think that's fair, but... You know, to say, oh, well, you know, when, I, when I'm when i saying, oh, they should have done more, you know, more might just mean don't throw four picks in the first half. More, fair, and more, that's fair. More might be catch the touchdown that hits you in the numbers, Sean Riley. Okay. You know, like, you know, like don't leave 10 points on okay. the field at LSU. You know, like, it, it's just kind of like that kind of idea of, and I get what you're saying, like, oh, yeah, it's really good competition, but against really good competition, they've had more out there to just go take. Yeah, like that, and that's, that's kind of what fair. I'm seeing, and they, and they just haven't taken that opportunity. That's fair. 315-437-7644. Again, all I'm saying is when they go up against teams that are on equal playing field right now. They're I, running past them. I, I think so. I, I you know, and, and and honestly, we haven't really seen it. I mean, we saw, I think Pittsburgh was a... Was a was a good comparison, and it's Benchmark, not like yeah. they didn't they didn't you know light up Pittsburgh. They went um, for five hundred eighty yards though, right? But they, but to your point about the do a little bit more, they right. only finished with twenty seven points. Um, my guess is when they play Wake and BC, um, I I think we'll have a better idea of how far this offense has come because I think it's hard to judge when they're you know going up against Miami on the road and NC State on the road and so on and so forth. Um, so I'm I'm very curious to see, especially those those two games at home, Wake and BC games that you need to win slash should win uh, to get to a bowl game. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Back after this on Orange Nation. Cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. The 
This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. We are brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air. Phone lines open this entire second hour, 315-437-7644. It is Tuesday, so we'll get to our NFL power rankings. Uh, We'll get to today's business as we do every day in hour number two. But we start, Seth, with SU basketball. And I want to make it our top five Tuesday questions. Top five questions you have regarding the Orange as the new season is about to begin. Again, ACC Media Day set for tomorrow down in Charlotte. We expect the Orange will be picked, I don't know, 10th, 11th, 12th, somewhere around there uh, in terms of the, the order of finish in the ACC Conference. So many question marks. Tyus Battle is back as the lone returning starter. You had Frank Howard back who had some starting experience before losing uh, the point guard position to John Gillen a year ago. And then aside from that, a whole lot of new faces. You've got Matthew Moyer. You've got O'Shea Brissett. You've got the the two new guys in the middle with Pascal Chuku, who sat out from, from transferring and then was injured, had the eye injury uh, early on last season. Uh, Barama Sidibe uh, coming into the mix uh, this year. So they'll they'll man the middle, theoretically. Um, but I do think we're going to see a lot of, of Syracuse going small. Uh, so let's kick it off. You don't necessarily have to give me five, but let's talk our way through the list. What is the, the number one question mark you have regarding this team? I guess you start with the point guard play. You might as well. Um, I think point guard is, you know, one of the mo- probably the most important position, right? On the basketball probably? floor. Yeah, yeah, I would say I, it I is. I think so. Yeah. It's uh, like the quarterback yeah. in, in football. So I I would say quarterback uh that, that position, the pole the, the point guard, uh, regardless of what you think about Frank Howard or what we maybe know, right? Like I I think that there are other positions where there are more questions, right? Where we just don't know about them. Like, at least we've seen Frank a little bit and, like, maybe kind of sort of understand his game and, like, know that he's got to shoot better to be effective. Um, But the question is, can he, right? Because didn't we hear last year how his shot's better and he's going to be a better player and and he's going to be able to hold down the starting position, and then he didn't. Um, So it'll be important to see if he can this year. If he can hold down that position, if he can shoot better, if he if he can shoot well enough from three to make him, I, I don't want to say a weapon, but something that defenses have to respect, right? If he can hit 30% of his threes so that the defenses have to come out on him and at least be like, okay, you know what, we can't we can't guard off him. He's going to knock down that shot every once in a while. Like I, I think that'll be a key. I think overall that that's the biggest question because also what's behind him? Is it Howard Washington? Is it Geno Thorpe? What what's behind him at that position? All right, three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We mentioned basketball, and sure enough, our good friend uh, Pat in Syracuse uh, wants to chime in. Pat, always good to hear from you. Always good to be talking basketball here as uh, as the fall begins, and we look forward to the winter ahead. Uh, what do you got for us today, Pat? Yeah, how you doing, guys? Uh, first thing with Frank. If you go back to the article that came out in the summer, I believe by Mike, um, he got hurt, what, December 3rd? Yeah, um, he, he was hurt much of last year. Yeah, I mean, and he didn't even um, he didn't even let the coaches know for a while, and then, you know, we didn't really know, or they, the coaches didn't know exactly what, what to do with it, and the severity, it was, it was one of those things that they just kind of tried to play through it and, and manage the pain. That's a big thing. I mean... Because the the way he played most of the year, there's there's just no there's no rhyme or reason to spin that any other way. But it, it, he had a bad year. I mean, coming off his freshman year, 
you know, everybody had a good feeling that he was going to take that sophomore jump, and, and, and he went the other way. But what I will say is looking at his shot, um, what was it, Friday, it, it definitely looks different. It looks like it's, it's a higher release, it's a higher arc, it's a better spin, and he, he was making shots like there was no tomorrow. I, I mean, granted, it was, a, it was a meaningless scrimmage game, but it looked like a different player out there. Um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I don't think we need Frank to necessarily hold the fort down in the backcourt. I think Thorpe and Battle um, are going to be able to make a lot of plays for themselves, and I think that's the difference between Dylan and White. And now with Thorpe and Battle, I, I feel it's a totally different dynamic where these guys can get their own shot. I mean, I'm not going to make any predictions. We, we, we all predicted last year was going to be a great year in a Final Four run, and, and you know what? Once once we got the lineup that really was going to best fit that team, I think we could have made a run, but it was far too late, and we came up one game short. For this year, it could be much of the same. We could be battling that bubble. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think people are really un, unsure of where to rank this team because it's a whole new team. But we don't have James Pius and Billy Selick, uh going out in, 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 in the starting lineup. O'Shea Brissett, I am very optimistic about him and what he brings to the table. Um, his shots improved. I, I really like this team. I think there's no question they're going to be much better defensively than last year's team, and that's not saying anything because last year's team was atrocious defensively. I mean, you, you just couldn't dream up of a, of a worse team defensively. And, and we'll see how the offense goes, but uh, I like where we're positioned. I think everybody in town thinks, well, next year will be the year. Well, a lot of times when, when we say that, Beheim likes to surprise people. So I'm, I'm excited about the year. Middle expectations with sky's the limit. Thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate you checking in, Pat. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think Pat's right on the money in that there is so much we don't know about this team. I mean, right. when, when you And look, that's why we're doing this, by right. the way. And, and when there you, are more than five questions when that we When you look ask. at this roster on face value... You know, you've got Frank Howard, who's got experience running the point. You've got Tyus Battle, who's going to be your best player. Uh, Geno Thorpe has played college basketball sure. at, at three a, years at, at a high, high level. level. You've got O'Shea Brissett again, and I, Pat hung up there before I could ask him a follow up question about O'Shea. I know he was at the the scrimmage on Friday night. Brissett really. I don't want to say surprise me because I knew he was good and we've been hearing everything over the summer about you know that's the guy to watch and and so on and so forth. Seeing him play and run the floor and, and shoot from the outside and, and the versatility of his game. I was very impressed by O'Shea Brissett. And so I think you know, you've know you got him. I was impressed by Moyer as well. He's put on weight. He's put on muscle. He was more physical than I thought. I am concerned about the center position. So you started with yeah. the point guard, and I think that's a valid point. I, I would start with what are you going to get? What is realistic to get out of the center position between Pascal Chuku and Barama Sidibe? And, and can they make an impact against legitimate big men in the ACC. Are they going to be are they going to be okay against Cornell? I, I would ex- expect them to be okay so. against Cornell. Are they going to be okay against, you know, North Carolina and Miami and Duke and I I, I don't know. Um and so that I think that is my biggest concern. Um how much how much can they contribute? Can they contribute on the offensive end? Yeah, I think that's a big question too. Um I I said last year I thought that I thought that Chuku was going to win them a game uh, defensively. Obviously, that did not happen because he got hurt. Uh, but I think that he could still be a very big impact player defensively. He's just so big and long and tall that there, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to alter and block shots 
without even having to jump and risk committing a foul, right? So he, he's the kind of a guy who should really affect some stuff on the defensive end. I have no idea what to expect offensively from him. I saw nothing last year in the 10 games that would make me think that he's going to be an offensive player for this team. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not going to come out and you know be an option every single time down court on a lob. Right? I, I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't lob it over the top to him every single time. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I don't see him getting the ball in the post and making moves. You know, he's not Rakeem Christmas. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see Sidibe uh, on, uh, on Friday night. I didn't see this team. So I, I don't know what to expect out of that position. Um, but okay, so now you have your one and your five that are total question marks. And, and I think the the next question for me it kind of falls in line with the five, and that is how do you replace Torian Thompson specifically his offense because that that's where you're going to miss him the most is that who is going right. to be the guy that is a matchup problem for opposing defenses? You had it with Tyler Lydon freshman year and even part of sophomore year, even though he drew more attention last year. But then the the matchup problem started to be last year Torian Thompson because yes. what how do you defend him and it was it was a trade-off right because he was so bad on the defensive end but he was so productive and efficient on the offensive end and he opened things up for he the, did for everybody else so so who is going to be that guy this year that is a that is a matchup problem um and and so that and I realize that kind of goes hand in hand with talking about the the center position um, but you know, does it become an O'Shea Brissett? Is is it a ties battle? Will he be that good that you know opposing teams have so much trouble uh, handling him? I, that is a, that is a question for me. I know Battle is is really good, but is he a guy who can score you know twenty points night in and night out like every night you can count on him for twenty? That that's what, a lot to ask of a guy. And you know what, Steve? Even if he is okay, like that's awesome. But he's not the matchup problem that Torian Thompson was. He's not the matchup problem that Tyler Lydon was. But will he you know draw? I, my point is, will he draw that much attention that it will open things up for or, for other guys? Or or will a team say, "All right, let him get his twenty, right? Like, hey, doesn't matter. Let him get his twenty. He's he's the shooting guard. He's the wing guy. You know, he's the scorer. He's going to get his points. And let's see what everybody else can do, right? Let Let's make O'Shea Brissett beat us. Let's make you know. Uh, Matthew Moyer beat us. Let's just play everybody straight up and not worry about it. And if he gets his twenty, he gets his twenty. Like, I, is that a tactic? Is that a route you could take with this year's team? I, I think so. Like, it might be. Right, right. Like, what's that second scoring option? It's probably O'Shea Brissett, right? But he's a true freshman, and who knows what he's really going to be when you get into good could, non-conference and conference games. Again, I, I did not see Geno Thorpe the other night, but he didn't play because he, he rolled his ankle. I think Thorpe can certainly supply some offense. That's another one of my questions is that you know last year's team was so in love with the three-point shot, and, and for good reason. So many guys could shoot the three-point shot. This team most likely is not going to be as efficient from three-point range. Right. So, you know, who... Do they change their style of play at all? And I, I'm not suggesting they're going to go away from the zone, but do they try to run more? Do we see this team try to get out and you know make it a concerted effort to get out in transition and try to get yeah, easier I mean, I, buckets? Because you know I don't want to say the half court's going to be a struggle necessarily, but they probably aren't going to shoot as many threes slash make as many threes as they did a year ago. But, and and Steve, at the same time, you say oh the half court, you know I don't want to call it a struggle. Like the half court wasn't great last year or the year before, right? And and 
That, so what's the, a way to make up for right, that? Run. To run. And the past two years, you had shooters. You had Tyler Lydon and Andrew White and John Gillen and Trevor Cooney and Mike Benege and Malachi Richardson. Uh, you had shooters the last two years, and the half court was a bit of a struggle. Uh, you know, everything gets masked when you go to a Final Four, but when did that team have its most success? When they pressed, when they forced turnovers, when they went in transition, right? That was that was when that team was at its best. Um, and, and I think that we saw, uh, you know, that at times that happened last year too where they struggled in the half court. And this year, if you don't have those shooters, right, they don't have three shooters or four shooters to ring around the outside – um, yeah, the half court is probably going to be a little bit of a struggle again this year. And to your point, get out and run. It's it's a more fun style of basketball. It's more enjoyable to watch for sure. I also I I'm, I wonder about the depth to some degree uh, on this team. Um, again, because there are so many new pieces, Howard Washington. Wh- what is he going to be able to provide and, and stepping right in? The kid from Slovakia. You know, six nine freshman. He's uh, a twig. He is. He, I mean, he is. I mean, there's no, and, and that's not a shot at him. I, right. That, he I, just. That's he why is. I hesitated. I was like, do I want to say twig? And I mean, he's I listed like, as six nine one eighty. Yeah. I mean, he needs to to put on weight. Obviously, is is he a player that can come in and and make an impact in year one? I I, I don't know. Um, so aside from the names that we threw out there, you know, Brissett and Moyer and the guards, you know, with Battle and, and Howard and Geno Thorpe and, and even Howard Washington, what exists beyond that? And and we know that Jim Beheim doesn't normally play a deep bench anyway, um, but aside from your top six guys, w- you know, what is there? Um, I don't and, and, and I, I don't know the answer to that. S- this is going to sound crazy because we've seen Syracuse go through a season with essentially six or, or pare it down to six uh, over the course of a season. You need more than six guys, right? You maybe don't need 10. You don't need 12 like we saw at times and thought we were going to get last year. But you need more than six. And when I say six, I look at you know Thorpe and Battle and Howard and Brissett and Moyer and that's five, and then I kind of look at the the center position as one that you know Chuku slash Sadibi, okay. and, and what and so that's why I say six. I don't know what to expect out of Howard Washington. I don't know what to expect out of the kid from Slovakia. Um, so I mean, there there are, are other pieces there. I just I don't know. I I don't know how viable they are. Like if if you know if Howard goes out and when how I mean he's not going to play forty minutes when Howard goes out. Is it well? Is he going to play forty minutes? Because that's what we've seen every year for the last five years, where there is a player or two that is. Yeah, I, I don't know as if that's effective if he's out there for forty minutes, unless he's gotten a lot better. And and maybe him being healthy, you know. And, and Pat alluded to it, and it's a good point. We didn't know he was hurt last year, and right. he was apparently hurt for almost the entire season. And then he had the sports hernia, hernia surgery in the off season, and and he's back now, and he's a junior, and he's played a lot of minutes. And and so if he's if he's taking a step forward, then then great. But that is a question. I mean, that was your number one question. Yes. And now you're saying the guy's going to play 40 minutes. So I I don't know. I'm when, just playing devil no, advocate to that point. But, yeah. but when he leaves the game, is it you know? Do you put the ball in the hands of battle? I don't think you want to do that because you you Jim take Bay him out of his natural Brent position. Last year, he's not a point guard. Right. I don't think you want to do that. Do you put the ball in the hands of Geno Thorpe? How much can you rely on Howard Washington? These are all good questions. Um, but that's, I guess, that's the point, and that's why this team is probably going to be picked, you know, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, somewhere in the in the ACC 
uh, preseason poll when it comes out tomorrow. Phone lines open if you'd like to chime in on this. 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio.